This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we recap NetApp's presence at VMware Explore, as well as the new vCloud on Amazon FSX announcement with our VMware experts. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipor. Zipor. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today on the phone, we have a few special guests to talk to us about NetApp's presence at VMware Explorer this year, formerly known as VMworld. With us, we have Chance Bingen. Chance, what do you do here at NetApp? How do we reach you? Hey, I am uh, Chance Bingen. I'm a senior technical marketing engineer for virtualization at NetApp with ONTAP. You can reach me um, either here at NetApp via email, uh, just chance.bingin at netapp.com, or on Twitter at CB8MyDentist Data Center with the number eight. All right, excellent. Also with us today, Nemo is here. Nemo, what do you do here at NetApp and how do we reach you? Hello, everyone. Uh, Niaz Mohammed. People call me Nemo. Uh, I'm a principal technical marketing engineer with the solutions team at NetApp uh, primarily work on all the cloud integrations across Azure, Google, and AWS. Uh, you can reach me at niaz at netapp.com. How many Finding Nemo jokes do you get, Nia? Yeah. How many? <laughs> you know, I mean, people talk about it quite a lot, but <laughs> not the Finding Nemo. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're never funny, are they? <laughs> they are, of course, yeah. <laughs> with that name, yeah. <laughs> all right, excellent. Um, also with us today, Jason Kotsoptis is here. So Jason, what do you do here at NetApp and how do we reach you? Yeah, hey, Justin, thank you. So my role at NetApp is I manage the global alliance with VMware. You can reach me at jason.kotsoptis at netapp.com. You could also reach me on LinkedIn. I think I'm the only Jason Kotsoptis. It's a little bit of an unusual last name. So it sounds um, Greek. Is it Greek? Ah, good. Very perceptive. It is. It is nice. Greek. Yes. Have a, have a I've met a few Kitsapuses in my life, but not many. So. Yeah, there, there aren't a lot around. It's like like Parisi is a is a, another one that's kind of uncommon, especially in the North Carolina area. But they've started to, <laughs> to migrate down from the New York area, so we're starting to get more of those. All right. Um. So enough about names. Uh. Let's talk about VMware Explore. Uh. We have the right people here for that, of course. So let's start off with uh the experience at VMware Explore. Let's talk about what NetApp was doing there and what sort of things they got into. So Jason, if you could kick us off with that. Sure. Yeah, no, it was very exciting to be back in person at the Moscone Center, um, you know, as aside from the the virtual experience of, of last year, it was really a great event. It was, um, the attendance was, was really strong, uh, good energy there. NetApp had a, a big sponsorship, um, strong booth with all of our leading VMware experts on site. A lot of our executives were there. And we made two significant announcements at the event. Um, the, for the Monday of the event, we had an announcement between our two CEOs about um, basically a reinvigoration of the joint development between the two companies for all of the latest VMware technologies that customers may be looking at. The new version of vSphere, vSphere 8, VMware Tanzu, VMware Cloud Foundation, and also the VMware Cloud Services at all three hyperscalers. And the next day, we followed that up with a specific announcement with AWS, NetApp, and VMware, uh, where we announced um, 
the first and only uh, third third party certified and supported solution for supplemental data stores for VMware Cloud. And what that means in layman's terms is um, NetApp FSX for ONTAP, which is our native service at AWS, can be attached to VMware Cloud as external storage uh, to help supplement the storage and right size solutions and configurations. And it's certified and supported by VMware directly. Uh, and this was the first time that VMware has opened up their VMware cloud services to allow supplemental storage to be attached uh, to the solution. This is a major milestone that took um, over a year of development and had tremendous, tremendous uh, interest at the event. So that's interesting. It took over a year because you know they just recently got acquired by Broadcom. And I would imagine that being kind of associated with Dell was a little bit of a, a, a tough situation for them to be in, right? So they were they were still kind of beholden to that. So working with someone like NetApp might have been a little political. Is, is that kind of, is that accurate to say, or is that just completely? Well, yeah. So if you look at the last 18 months of VMware, it's, they've been on quite a journey. So you're correct. The first thing that happened early last year was the announcement of the spinoff from Dell. And once that happened, and then Raghu Raghuram became new CEO, our CEO and Raghu started on a regular dialogue. And, and, and this opportunity to work together in the public cloud became very obvious very quickly. We had both, NetApp and VMware have been working on premise together now for over 20 years to help customers optimize vSphere on ONTAP on premise. Over the last several years, we'd also both been working with all three hyperscalers to enable our core platforms as managed services in the cloud. What we had not done yet is integrate them. So we started on this journey to do that. And the thing that came to our attention from VMware, and we were hearing this from customers too, was when people, people have now started to move to VMware's cloud services at an accelerated rate and move more data intensive workloads where they have a heavy amount of storage. And traditionally, VMware Cloud would run on a hyper-converged architecture, which combines the compute and the storage together. You have to buy it as a package and you can't buy them separately. So this was presenting some challenges where if customers had a need for heavy storage, but not necessarily a need for compute, they would have to buy them both together and that might present a cost challenge. So we, we went on the journey to address this really in starting back in March or April of 2021. And um, of course, then the Broadcom news came out, which you've alluded to. And, and again, the acquisition hasn't actually happened and officially closed yet, but it is um, it is pending, right? And um, you know that that hasn't really had any impact on anything so far that we're we're doing together as partners. Um, the the demand for uh, the public cloud services from NetApp and VMware is so strong in the customer base right now that uh, it's just been full steam ahead on it. And um, you know we're keeping an eye on how that acquisition unfolds. Uh, but right now everything is is continues to be really full steam ahead with them. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the demand is going to be driving that use case for sure. Um, yeah. But what's also good is that, you know, NetApp and Broadcom have a good relationship as well, you know, so they they're also have a strong partnership and they have for a long time. So that really, I don't think that's going to hinder anything that's going on here with the NetApp and VMware story. Yeah, everything, you know, we always have to operate it. At, at, we, we've, we've been working with, you know, if you think about a relationship that's been going on for 20 years, 
Think of how much executive turnover we've had. And we've lived through uh, our partnership with VMware has lived through the launch by EMC, um, the the spinoff in, you know, into Dell, uh, where, where they were EMC was acquired, right? And now the spinoff out of Dell. <laughs> and now we have Broadcom coming. And you know, through all of that, the development between NetApp and VMware has continued. So I, I think you're spot on. What we always keep focused on is what are customers asking for? Customer demand really drives everything we do with the relationship and our investments. And, and as long as we keep focused on that, it, we've, tended, we've tended to have good outcomes on the other end of it. And we view the Broadcom acquisition as just kind of the next, the next um, you know, evolution of what's going to happen. Uh, and you know, we're going to keep focused on what we have right now and the demand we see in front of us for now. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about the VMware cloud solution. Like how does that work and how do we get our on-prem VMware workloads to the cloud in a most, in a cost-effective way? Like how does that happen? Sure. And maybe Nemo, you want to jump in here. So we, we, so the, the, the first thing I want to mention is VMware did this development effort, right? This is VMware taking VMC and working on enabling the integration uh, into FSx for ONTAP at AWS in, in a way that they would certify it, okay? So it's certified for to meet the performance and scalability and availability and security requirements that they need when you're putting workloads in the cloud. And they would support it, meaning if a cust- the first call, call of support actually goes to VMware. Um, now, the mechanics of how how this actually works, um, you know, it can depend on what you're starting with on premise today. Uh, it might be slightly different, but ultimately, this whole premise is very simple. It doesn't matter necessarily if you're on NetApp on premise today or if you're not on NetApp on premise today. If you're running VMware and you're running workloads on VMware and they're data intensive workloads, and you're thinking of moving them to VMware Cloud. Um, what customers were saying is they wanted a way to more flexibly connect external storage to VMware Cloud to help right-size the solution. And so Nemo's been working with VMware on this now for several months. Nemo, do you want to talk a little bit about it from a, from a technical and architectural perspective? Oh, absolutely. So as Jason mentioned, every customer is looking for additional storage capacity within the HCI model that VMware Cloud offers. So let's take an example and talk about that. Uh, a single host, I mean, which we generally call as ESXi host in on-premises, it's the same in cloud as well. The single host in VMware Cloud within AWS gives you around 10.37 terabyte raw capacity. So out of that, with all the Slack space, all the RAID configuration, all of those factors considered, the usable capacity would come down to close to 60% of that, which would be close to 6 terabyte per host. So say if a deployment requires 150 terabyte of capacity, you can think about the number of hosts that is required. And keep in mind, the only way to add additional storage in VMware Cloud in AWS is to add additional host that exponentially increases the cost. And this is where NetApp partnered with VMware by leveraging the capability that is offered via a pass offering within AWS, which is FSx on tap, as you guys know. And what we do is we are adding the functionality to mount 
FSX OnTap as a supplemental data store. Now, how we do this is very simple. We leverage Transit Connect, which is VMware Transit Connect, which is nothing but AWS Transit Gateway behind the scenes, which allows you to connect the shadow VPC, that is the VPC where the VMware SDDC is running, and it connects to the VPC where FSX OnTap is running. Now, obviously, something that everyone who's listening to this podcast would be thinking, how, how does it work? Because FSX ONTAP, specifically the multi-AZ FSX ONTAP, which is the only supported solution with VMware Cloud SDDC, how does it connect? Now, this is where the transit gateway really comes in because VMware SDDC is running in a VPC called as a shadow VPC. And then FSX ONTAP is running in one of the customer's VPC. And we recommend to have a designated new VPC for that where you deploy FSX ONTAP. You just use the SDDC group functionality within VMware SDDC and then use external VPC so as to connect the transit gateway, which will have the linkage between the SDDC as well as the FSX ONTAP VPC, which will en enable the ability to mount the data store. Once you have the connectivity, very simple, with M1.20 version of SDDCs, VMware allows a storage option within the VMware Cloud Console where you have the ability to go and mount the data store. It's as simple as that. You know, you just provision the data. I mean, so to summarize, you provision FSX file system, which is a multi-zone file system. Then you configure SDDC groups and then configure the Transit Connect, which is automated by VMware Cloud itself. And then you attach the data store via the VMware Cloud Console. Okay, so, so this this is this is a new data store, right? So existing VMs, we can use. Can we use Storage vMotion to get those over, or are we doing some sort of a file copy? Yes, so you can use vMotion because this is just another data store into the VMware Cloud SDDC. So similar to what is in on-premises, you have multiple data stores, and this is the value that FSX OnTap brings on top of all the other integrations we have because. In VMware SDDC with vSAN, you can only have one single workload data store, and it will be one gigantic data store. But with FSX ONTAP, you can have multiple data stores. And in GA, we allow up to four data stores. Now, what you can do is you can vMotion a VM that is running on a vSAN data store, which generally is called as a workload data store, into an FSXN data store. Now, not just that. Now, if you want to migrate from on-premises, you can do that as well using same old tools like vMotion capability by leveraging VMware HCX, which is absolutely you know, part of VMware SDDC. So all the customer needs to do is configure HCX. It can be over internet or it can be over direct connect, however they have configured it. All they have to do is use cross vSAN the migration option, either by selecting HCX vMotion or HCX bulk vMotion or HCX replication assisted vMotion. Now, that is using the VMware provided tools. Now, if, uh, and to the point that Jason mentioned, this capability can be leveraged by customers who are using NetApp or for those customers who are moving into VMware Cloud from non NetApp storage as well. It's absolutely you know, made open to any customer. And that's the beauty of this solution. Now, if the customer is using NetApp in on premises, they can easily use Snap Mirror capability. You know, I mean, obviously, depending upon their SLA and the RPA requirements, they can use Snap Mirror into FSX on path. 
and then attach that data store and then have the migration or can be used as disaster recovery story as well. Now, the only thing to keep in mind is uh, in the initial release, VMware is supporting NFS version 3 as the data store. So, so no NFS v4, no iSCSI, no FCP, right? Uh, not at the moment. Okay. So th those are all of the line items for the future. But you know, I mean, talking about the current, yeah, we, we have NFS v3, which is going to be great relief for majority of the customers out there. Yeah, yes. Most most of the customers out there are probably going to be using that anyway. Um, so walk me through when you would choose to use storage v motion versus using you know, SnapMirror. I mean, like there's there's a lot of different reasons for doing one or the other. So can you kind of give me a few for each? Like why would you do vMotion over SnapMirror and vice versa? Sure. So it, it all comes down to what is the requirement? Can the customer sustain any kind of downtime? Because these workloads that is running in on-premises are purely, you know, I mean, it can be categorized into critical or non-critical. And majority of the times when they try to migrate the critical workloads, say it can be the infrastructure like domain controllers uh, or the DNS systems, or it can be, you know, I mean, critical business critical applications like SQL, Oracle, or any of those. That is where the decision point really kicks in. Now, if the customer wants to make sure there is no downtime for their virtual machines, they want to have, you know, uptime throughout the time, then they can go with HCXV motion because that enables the virtual machines to be online throughout the time. Now, the only part to keep in mind is HCXV motion is serial in nature, so you can only do one at a time, or you can go with replication-assisted V motion. Now, if SLA is not a problem and application can actually take some downtime, then SnapMirror is very beneficial for the simple reason. SnapMirror, as everyone knows, uses block replication, and it makes sure you know you have the data that is actually replicated, and you can have the intervals even up to ten minutes. So you can actually take a downtime uh, over a weekend, and then you know I mean break the mirror and bring up the virtual machines. So to the question, it purely depends on the requirements in terms of whether the virtual machine can take a downtime or not. So with SnapMirror, I mean, is that going to be a faster rep copy of the VM data store? Is it going to be more efficient? Is it going to save you money in the long run in the cloud if you're if you're replicating data into the cloud versus just copying it? So it, it comes down to the use cases, whether you want to do disaster recovery or you know, you're doing a migration. So if you're using disaster recovery as the use case, then uh, leveraging SnapMirror is an obvious choice for the simple reason, you know, you get the replication capability and only the changes are actually replicated. And you can even go down the path of having zero compute deployment. That means you are just replicating your VM and the application data from a data store level. And when in the event of a failure, you can go and break the snap mirror, bring up a new cluster. So that means you're not paying for anything except just for the FSX part of it and then attach the data stores and register the virtual machines. So in a DR use case, it makes more sense to actually leverage SnapMirror, but the only part that you need to keep in mind is it needs to be orchestrated via using a script, you know, because there is no orchestration assets available, although we have scripts that is being put out there that can be used to do this process. But from a migration scenario, I would say I mean, vMotion, HCX, and vMotion is the ideal, ideal bet that customers would go with. 
Yeah, yeah. That's what I was kind of getting at. Because, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't seem to make sense to take a downtime if you don't need to, right? Because you can just do exactly. storage via motion and you're done as long as you don't care about how long it takes. So I was just curious if it saved money on the on the back end or if it was faster to do SnapMirror. Because with SnapMirror, you can do replications and then, you know, updates and make sure you get it up to the most current version. And then the cutover is pretty quick at that point. It's just basically remounting a data store. But, um, yeah, but then the process is in terms of getting the virtual machines registered. So there is some time, right? So as I said, it purely depends on the time that the customer can actually, you know, I mean, accept from virtual machine kind of getting migrated and getting registered. Now that, that's that's for that's where customers really choose to go with vMotion, which is like well known and they have been using it for years. So they don't have to worry about any of these aspects. They know that the virtual machine is always up and running. And, and that's where we're trying to tie this. And the way we look at this is it's always complementing the existing tools and the processes that customer already has, and also trying to complement the vSAN storage that is already part of the VMware SDDC. So it's, it's a combination of both vSAN plus FSXN to overcome most of the challenges that customers face today from a storage intensive workload perspective. Okay. So so basically summary is if you're migrating, just stick with what you know. Use storage vMotion. That's going to be the, the pretty much the most streamlined way of doing things. If you're doing a DR scenario and you have an in-app storage, you know, use SnapMirror, then you can cut that over pretty quickly if you have a disaster on your site. Exactly. Yeah. So so what about uh, the built-in DR stuff with with vSphere? Like I, I know that they have some some capabilities to fail over to other sites within a, a vSphere implementation can you have an on-prem vSphere and then have it automatically fail over to a cloud vSphere or vice versa is that something that's possible with vm cloud today so at the moment no so uh srm and the uh, equivalent in the cloud vsr is not supported with fsx data store and similarly uh, vmware also has another offering which is called as vcdr vmware cloud disaster recovery which writes the data directly to s3 uh, and then rehydrates, I mean, not rehydrate, they do a live mount of, I mean, of the data store from using as an NFS data store from S3 directly. Uh, but those two are not supported with uh, FSX data store. So the only option uh, is to actually either use HCX. Again, VMware HCX provides a disaster recovery capability uh, or use SnapMirror for disaster recovery. Do you think that some customers are going to hold off until that sort of stuff is available, or is it is it something that they don't really you know have much concern with? They're just going to go ahead and move to the VM cloud and FSX solution. So if if the requirement is to run production, uh, we don't see any holdup, and we haven't seen any customers raising a concern. However, if the requirement is specifically for disaster recovery, then there are customers asking, you know, I mean, why? Can we have the integration with storage replication? Because that's going to be faster than doing VADP replication and so on. Now, uh, for them, yes, the answer is, you know, I mean, it's it's in the future plans. Okay, as long as it's in the future plans, I'm sure that that's enough, right? Um, Absolutely. And, and, and with, in mind. Yeah, and with Sorry. the cloud development, it's it's very rapid. So it's not like you're going to be waiting potentially years for this. Potentially, you know, it might be faster. I can't say what the roadmap is because that's not my job, but what I've seen with cloud development, it goes pretty fast and it, it tends to go towards what the customers are asking for because basically we want your money. 
<laughs> exactly. And that's what I was about to say, you know, I mean, because it's it's about the need of the hour and the requirements that's coming onto the table. The more the requirements coming in, and since it's new feature that, as Jason mentioned, I mean, NetApp is the first one to do this, you know, I mean, everyone has eye on us, you know, I mean, hey, what are the capabilities? And we are instrumentally working with AWS as well as with VMware in making sure our customers get the right solution in place and the right capabilities in place. Yeah, I think the other thing I'll mention is there are ways, there there are multiple ways to do it today, as Nemo mentioned, that are technically available. And so it'll come down to service level requirements by workload. It'll also come down to cost. And we had, you know, one of the early uh, customer wins we just had on this solution was an existing customer at AWS that had been paying for a managed uh, DR service. And, you know, they, they quite frankly weren't seeing the ROI for, for paying for somebody to do that. So they decided to go to a customer managed um, on-demand DR solution. And so what they did is they actually worked with one of our mutual partners to go ahead and design the solution where they're, they're doing an on-demand DR scenario. Um, they're able to test it a few times a year and the partner provided them the full deployment of the solution as well as the best practices and scripts to execute it. And the comment from the customer was, this is saving me a ton of money, right? So, so the other, you kind of have to look at it, all these different dimensions of what am I, what, what is my cost profile? What is my service level profile? What are the, am I, am I an existing NetApp customer or am I not? Or am I changing into NetApp customer? All these things will come into bear. But yeah, as Nemo said, we're absolutely working um, on a roadmap to try to enable parity with all the things you can do on-premise today with ONTAP and vSphere and enable that to happen in the hyperscaler. And that'll that'll be evolving over time for sure. Yep. Yeah, you know, uh, Jason, you and uh, Nemo both mentioned cost optimization. Uh, Nemo, do you want to talk a little bit about the TCO um, uh, tool that we showed at the booth? Oh, absolutely. Thanks, thanks, Chance, for bringing that up. So, Justin, one of the other things that we want our audience to know about is uh, we, we talked about cost optimization, as Chance mentioned, and I, I mentioned, you know, I mean, what is the use case where it is storage bound and the number of nodes that would be required in VMware Cloud for, you know, for AWS. Now, with this in mind, uh, we have built a store TCO estimator. You know, which is available on cloud.netapp.com today. Uh, and we can give that link so you can actually put that uh, in the link uh, or when you share the podcast. So people can use that. What it does is it integrates with the VMware sizer that is currently available out there. And it does the math to see how much of additional storage is required. And then would actually, you know, mean, suggest the customer to say, oh, you can go with this many number of nodes and then. In this way, you can reduce the amount of nodes that you need to meet the storage requirement. Instead, add this much amount of FSx on tap to it. So that way, you will have better TCO. Now, based on the customer usage and the partners who are using the tool, we have seen customers seeing 50 and even more percentage of savings while running VMware Cloud using FSx on tap. So the tool is available in cloud.netapp.com. Uh, I can give the direct URL for that as well. So if you go through it, it's very simple to use. Either you have to enter five parameters, the number of virtual machines, the memory usage, the CPU, uh, and the storage required per VM. And then if you click hit button, 
it is going to predict you everything, whether how much it requires you to do with vSAN and how much is it going to be with, when you're using vSAN and FSXN together. And the tool also allows the customers to use RV tools, which is the common tool that is used by majority of the customers out there from a sizing standpoint. So they can import RV tools as well into the sizer. And keep in mind, this sizer was built along with VMware. So VMware has blessed this tool. And that's the only available tool out there which can be used by customers to do a DC estimation. Yeah, we'll include that in the blog when we post this uh, podcast so that people can get access to that. Um, so what about like uh, trials? Are there free trials that you can try this stuff out or is it something that you just kind of have to go into a lab on demand? How do people kind of test it before they actually buy it? That's a good question. So uh, again, uh, nothing comes for free in cloud, as everyone knows. So if you have to do a POC or a trial, uh, you definitely have to uh, spin up FSx on tap as well as a VMware Cloud SDDC. Now you can work with your VMware uh, account teams to figure out if you have got credits to do that and how you can actually get that. Or there is a trial option for one month, which can be used with a single host within VMware SDDC that can be leveraged. And the same way on FSx side, they will have to spin up FSx on tap and then do that. Now, so there will be some amount of main cost associated with the trial or the POC. Now, within, with this in mind, what we have done, again, you know, similar to the TCO estimator, we have also developed a simulator, which is purely based on the workflows. So it is available in GitHub. Again, I'll share the link, uh, which will be shared by Justin. Uh, you can use the simulator, and the simulator will walk you through each and every step as you do it in a live environment. It's just that, you know, I mean, it, it is a simulated environment, but it'll walk through the entire steps. And it also has the documentation of each and every step, which, you know, when you click on each step, it actually says, oh, this is where you are. And this is exactly the step that you're doing. So people can go, go down that path. But to answer the initial question, yeah, if customer wants to do a POC or a trial, yeah, they will have to work with VMware to get the credits or pay for a single node SDDC and try it out. And, now, and from an AWS side, they have a quick start program that um, is very well known that they leverage as well on the AWS side. So you know, we would encourage anybody interested in it to definitely talk with NetApp and, and AWS and we can we can get them squared away on a POC approach. Do we have any similar offerings for this the CVS type stuff, the ANF, Google and CVS, that sort of thing, or is it strictly FSX today? No. So we have similar offerings on all the other hyperscalers too. Again, as Jason mentioned at the beginning, uh, we are the only vendor with a data store support, which is basically supplemental data store support across all the three hyperscalers. Now, all of them are in different phases at the moment. So if you look at Azure NetApp files, they are in public preview for Azure, where it can be added as a data store to Azure VMware solution. Similarly, we have cloud volume service in Google, which is also in preview uh, for Google Cloud VMware Engine. The functionalities would differ across three hyperscalers because these are three different entities, but we have presence in all the three hyperscalers to be the data store for the VMware Cloud deployments in the respective hyperscalers. Yeah, so, so Justin, this, this, this challenge of storage-heavy workloads and the limits of hyper-converged infrastructure, it's the same premise same challenge um, all customers are going to see. And 
Right now, as we know, when people are picking a hyperscaler to move to the public cloud, um, I think VMware had a, had a great statistic in their keynote two VMware explorers ago, back when it was called VMworld. Uh, something almost 70% of customers they see using one hyperscaler or using more than one. Um, and they might be doing that for different workloads, et cetera. We've seen that play out and hold very, very true, where uh, a lot of companies are looking to uh, use different hyperscalers for different reasons. And they're constantly uh, kind of negotiating between you know, the three of them. So we, uh, we started this work at AWS with VMware Cloud because VMC is VMware's offering. So on that level, we're working with VMware directly. When you go to Microsoft and Google, it's actually Microsoft and Google that are doing the integration work. And what they're doing is they're taking the, the, the native uh, NetApp-based service. So if you take Microsoft Azure NetApp files and integrating it with the native VMware service, Azure VMware solution for supplemental data stores. And Microsoft's in a public um, preview state. So all of all three of these hyperscalers move through very specific phases. They go from a private preview to a public uh, preview or availability into GA. So Microsoft right now is in public preview with ANF and AVS, and then Google's in a private preview with Google Cloud VMware Engine and Cloud Volume Services. So what's fascinating, Justin, is we we've managed to call these things all different, all different product names, but they're all fundamentally doing the same thing. And uh, across all three hyperscalers, we are integrating them uh, to accomplish the same goal across all three, which is enabling supplemental data stores to help right-size the cloud storage and compute for the VMware services. You know, and, and bringing this back to VMware Explorer in uh, in San Francisco, it was really awesome to see the NetApp logo kind of prominently displayed in a keynote session. I mean, that was that was a great moment for me to be in there in the crowd and and see that you know right in front of me. But I think also interesting is with all the different sessions that the different vendors had at VMware Explorer. All of the, all the hyperscalers had sessions featuring NetApp, and uh, Azure even had a, a guided hands-on lab session that featured prominently Azure NetApp files. And you know the the Google Cloud VMware session that I attended uh, very prominently featured a Cloud Volume Service or NetApp, you know, CVS um, as a as a premier storage option in their environment. So it was, you know, it was a great, it was a great, uh, you know, show for us to be at. And it was a great experience to just see us just everywhere, just kind of knocking it out of the park. Just getting the band back together, man. VMware. That's right. Up. That was a lot of the feedback, Justin. We, we talked to analysts for about eight weeks before leading up to the show. We were kind of giving previews of this. We then briefed them as we got closer to GA we spent time with them at the show, and that was what we heard. It was a, you know, NetApp and VMware would have been one of the great combinations um, in the industry for many, many years. And it's kind of, we, we're now kind of looking at the same thing that we did before on-premise with ONTAP and vSphere, but applying it in the cloud now that people are moving these workloads in. So, yeah, there was a lot of that vibe at the show about getting back together and um, not just those observers in the industry, but the interest level within our partner community has been tremendous. So if you look at all the partners out there that are out there talking to customers and delivering services around VMware Cloud today, they have also seen this challenge with hyperconverged infrastructure. 
So that now they're they're on board with this and they're starting to drive a lot of these opportunities as well. So it's a very exciting time, as Chance pointed out. Yeah, it's a, it's a mix of the old and the new, right? So, I mean, you have the old relationship with NetApp and VMware, but you also have this this new idea of cloud and, and multi-cloud and hybrid cloud and something that really that NetApp has, has managed to figure out uh, as opposed to some of the other storage vendors out there. So it makes a lot of sense for VMware to hitch their wagon to that sort of thing. And, you know, also, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't all cloud too, where, you know, we had some announcements that were innovating on-prem too, right? With the announcement of our design partnership for NVMe over fabrics with Vivals, and that's going to be coming uh, pretty soon. It'll be supporting, you know, supported starting vSphere 8. So uh, we've been working on that with VMware also for, gosh, over right. a year. Yeah, so that's been that. That was a huge announcement as well. So that and some of the other things we're we're doing with Ponzu around uh, Astra Control and backup and recovery of, you know, your your Ponzu Kubernetes grid applications, application aware backup and backup recovery, replication migration. Uh, you know, across platforms, across clouds. There's you know both on prem and in in the public cloud. There is so much going on, regardless of what you know what your workload is or what your environment's like. It just seemed like you know we had we had an announcement for everybody there. Well, so Justin, if you think about it, yeah, it's a good point, Chance. When you go read the press release between our CEO George Curian and Raghu Raghuram on the VMware side, we framed it into these three buckets. One, of course, was multi-cloud, but the other two were optimizing on-premise vSphere environments for the next version of vSphere eight, and then helping accelerate new modern applications on Kubernetes with Tanzu and VMware Cloud Foundation. So what we're seeing go hand in hand with this move to the cloud is a lot of companies are also looking at modernizing what they have on premise. And VMware, of course, is out there with the new version of vSphere now, vSphere 8, with VMware Cloud Foundation to help standardize the VMware stack on premise, and then Tanzu to help run containerized workloads alongside traditional VMs. So NetApp very much wants to be able to help customers put the right data management architecture in place on premise for all of those things that VMware is doing there. And we think that sets them up well, you know, to then move to the cloud um, when they're ready. Because as much as we're talking about it, I think one of the stats out there is, you know, 98% of these workloads have yet to move, right? So we think we're way out ahead of this um, and we've removed a significant barrier to moving to the public cloud with storage heavy workloads. Um, and then we're, as Chance said, we're also continuing to be deeply investing with VMware uh, for your on-premise architectures as people modernize those in parallel as well. Yeah, as far as I understand it, the next version of ONTAP or the next couple versions of ONTAP are going to really have some other additional feature functionality for these workloads. So we're not done. We're far from done from the on-prem stuff. No, absolutely. That's true. We've got, uh, in fact, a couple more design, well, quite a few more design partnerships that we're working with VMware on, um, and some of which are definitely on-prem focused. So absolutely, we have not forgot about our our on-prem customers or those who have data sovereignty issues, they have to regain control or retain control of their data, right? So um, there's lots of reasons why it's it's critically important to continue to innovate in that arena. It's just good to multitask, man. You can do on-prem and cloud at the same time. And we can chew bubblegum and walk at the same time. That's right. Multi-threading. All right. um, I prefer (laughs) hyper-threading. Hyper-threading? Yes. This is one of those unique moments where, you know, if you think about the, the history of VMware, 
going back to the beginning where I remember when people started putting VMware on servers and, you know, virtualizing their CPU and creating vCPUs. Like one of the first, one of the first things that started coming up as a limitation once people started actually putting real workloads on it, like databases was storage, right? Storage wasn't architected for, for VMware. And NetApp really worked for years with VMware to help remove that barrier and then make it integrated so you could actually manage the the storage and the VMware environments as one. And now, you know, that carried us for about 15 years, but we see this next wave coming with workloads migrating into the cloud as a as a massive uh, opportunity for customers and, and a significant uh, shift in the, in the overall industry that we play in today. And it's one of those unique moments where we've, because NetApp and VMware had already been working with the hyperscalers to build and enable our services there, we're in a position to deliver the integrated solution for what they need now to actually make that shift. Um, so it's just kind of this, this cool moment in time where you have the right technology and the right partnerships and the right time in the industry all kind of convening at the same time. And so it's it's a very... Uh, We've, we've been around long enough to see that these moments don't happen that often. I think the last big bang was like, again, when VMware came out, VMware created that kind of inertia. And now this move to the cloud off of the, the VMware install base that exists is kind of the next major inertia moment. And um, we're, we're really excited because we're in a great position with it, um, not just working with VMware, but all three major hyperscalers too at the same time. So. It's a very exciting time. And I think what we announced was great, but it, honestly, it's just the first step. We're, we're now driving the roadmap like Nemo talked about, and we're going to learn and listen to what customers need, and we're going to continue to enhance um, and deliver that just like we did on-premise. So um, we're really kind of just beginning, although Explore was an awesome event. Like Chance said, it was fantastic, ton of, ton of energy. We're really looking forward to kind of what's next and, and to keep it going. All right, excellent. Well, sounds like we got a lot of good news to talk uh, that we've talked about here. Uh, a lot of good things to think about for the future of VMware and NetApp. Uh, again, if we wanted to reach you, Jason, how do we do that? So again, yep, Jason at NetApp.com or again through LinkedIn. You'll again, I'll probably be the only Jason Katsafis on LinkedIn. If you find another one, let me know. I'd love to meet him, but yeah, you can get me through either way. It's um, like happy, the Highlander. Happy to there, can, talk. there can be only one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Nemo, how do we reach you? Uh, the easiest way is to actually drop me an email, uh, neas at netapp.com, or you can find me in LinkedIn as well. Uh, search for Nemo. Hopefully you find it. All right. And last but not least, Chance. Well, in this crowd, I'm definitely least. Um, but you can reach <laughs> me, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, LinkedIn, Chance being in, I'm probably the only one there. And uh Email chance.bingin at netapp.com and also on Twitter at CD my data center with the number eight. All right. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, everyone, for joining us and talking to us all about the NetApp and VMware relationship, as well as what went on at VMware Explorer. All right. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techcontactpodcast.com. For 
like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Chance Bingen, Niaz Mohamed, and Jason Kotsoftis for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.